0: This is Pyrite! We will convene
1: tomorrow after the funeral. Mm I will nominate some scapegoats so we can arrange
0: a couple of them. You go. Officers are fired. Oh, I'm done. It's only comrades and friends that can shout at each other like this.
1: Hello and welcome to Glop Culture... I'm Rob Long. I know it's not how we usually begin these uh, podcasts. We usually begin them with John Padoritz. and um, and he's not here right now. Uh, but this is, gives me an opportunity to talk to Jonah
0: Goldberg, who I you know rarely get to talk to on the podcast. <laughs> Jonah, <laughs> how's it going? That's <laughs> going well. It's like uh, I feel like I'm Noah Rothman talking to you know you know Abe Greenwald on the commentary podcast. Yeah, they like just, you know. <laughs> Yeah, that's like, never get so, to. So, uh, so like you live in D.C., right? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so technically, we this is not glop. This is glow, right? This you is know, glow. with with a spelling that doesn't actually exist, except maybe for some like I- IKEA lamp or or futon, right? G L O. Yeah, the because with is, a little yeah. with us crossed and a little cat on it or something. Um, yeah. Right?
1: Um I, you know I, I have it's embarrassing to admit that it took me a while before I understood that glop culture was like a uh, a pun.
0: I think you I think I, I think you understood, you understood, you understood it, when, it we when we first brought, we first brought it, it up, up. up and then forgot it. Because then forgot that, it. Yeah, cuz for a long time this was like the unnamed podcast. And yeah, right. I in a fit of exhaustion with the cuz naming things is terrible. I said, what about just because we were like, oh, it's about pop culture. What about glop culture? It rhymes with pop culture, or whatever. And that was how that was how it was born. But it's really about pop culture, Jonah. Let's be honest. It's really, or not. is it
1: about pop culture of an era?
0: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so what is the what is the opposite of, or not the opposite, but like, so there's popular culture, which is right, like popular, and then there's the stuff that we talk about. Is there a word <laughs> that describes yeah. that? Uh, unpopular is the word. <laughs> I don't know that it's unpopular. Once popular,
1: yeah. Right? Once popular, uh, or 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 suddenly interesting due to some weird artifact because the evolved, culture, you know, Paul Lind or something. Yeah, the culture formerly known as popular. Uh... <laughs> there, that's good. That's, great. that's how I think. It goes. Hey there guys, there you go. Wait. Hey, John. Hey. Oh, All right, now we're joined uh, by John Podoritz. John, are you in a taxi? A New York taxi.
2: I am in an Uber. A New York oh, Uber. I am doing fancy. this over. Uh, over using uh, for the first time an iPhone mic sounds good. Um, sounds I'm pretty good. trying very hard to figure out why my Bluetooth isn't sending the um, the sound uh, into my earphones, so that uh, so that our my poor driver doesn't
0: have to. <laughs> okay, <laughs> w- maybe maybe you're. Driver wants to hear about how Suzanne Plachette was underrated. <laughs> yeah, right. Are you in an Uber X, John, or just an Uber, or, or a fancy a loop, Uber?
2: But I'm in an extremely nice Ford Explorer. Okay. Very comfortable. Um, and who, who, I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled to be with you. And, and how does your driver be... spell
1: his name? I'm assuming well, again, it's Mehmet or Mohammed. Or... My driver yeah. can hear what sure. you're saying
2: right now. Okay. I don't want to. I don't want to. Uh, He'll give you two no, stars, creative, one creative star. Exactly. Now, does while, your driver
0: know how much loose cash you actually carry with you? Yeah, <laughs>
2: <laughs> literally none. Uh, <laughs> it would be fair to say
1: I have, I have a have lot of. No cash I, I want. I want. I want. On, I want it to be credited
0: that I am not making the jokes that I would want to make right now. How about, how about all those untraceable bearer bonds you have on you? <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> That you send to support the IDF.
2: Right. Uh, I'm going to have to <laughs> drop off for a second. I will be
1: back. <laughs> oh, this is sorry. gold <laughs> is exactly as exciting <laughs> right. as we thought it would be.
0: Uh, all right, so let's not start again. Let's just continue what we're doing. Oh, yeah, yeah. So pop- we should, we should yeah. explain to listeners, right? Yeah. John has to go to an appointment. It, everything's okay. But, but, yeah, yeah just had to do it he had to cancel on us and we were like oh no maybe he can do it but he can't host because he's going to have to hop on hop off so john's just going to keep showing up we think as rob and i have a civilized conversation all right so i I have a i have a
1: topic i want i want to run a theory by you um and it's something that i came up uh i thought about it last week and i was just yeah it's like you know the metaverse Right. Yes. The thing people do with the metaverse, right? So you're going to wear a hat or a thing or eye goggles, and you're going to see what you're going to be anywhere you want. You're going to see whatever you want, and you're going to be able to basically choose your environment, choose your Mm -hmm. own adventure with your metaverse. And people are going to be doing that all the time. Now, I think that we are the people. There are people already living in the metaverse. Mm -hmm. I think Vladimir Putin lives in a metaverse. I think he's created a little metaverse for himself in that room where they tell him what he wants to hear and they say, no, no, we have 20,000 tanks. Don't worry about it, uh, Mr. President. And oh, no, our, 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 our troops are absolutely ready to take Kiev, Mr. President. And. He lived in that world. He totally lived in that world. He, he believed, I think he believed, it, even if the Russia hoax stuff, the, the Russia hoax stuff that is, is actually true, it is true that they tried, you know, he's a thousand people in a room in Moscow, they're all tweeting and sending Twitter bot, bots and all that stuff. And he thinks that's real. He thinks that matters. And so he thinks that he's more powerful than he is, and and that the, the what happens on Twitter is real. He, li- he is a creature of the metaverse. Want to know how bad the metaverse is going to be? It's going to be that bad. Everyone's going to be a little Vladimir Putin, and you're going to be fine until you try to do something real. And then you're going to fail spectacularly. I mean... Donald Trump. He also lives in the metaverse. He's down there in Mar-a-Lago. People are telling him exactly what he wants to hear. He thinks that what happens on Twitter is real. You know, yes, Don, Donald Trump stuff. He, like, I, I was the number one show, and I was the, my ratings are huge. Your ratings are terrible. He really thought that mattered, right? And um, he lives in the metaverse. These are we already know the kinds of people
0: who live in the metaverse. So I, I, I mean, that's my I, theory. I as a. Analogy or metaphor, I think it works really well. I mean, it, it's a little bit like the Truman Show, right? Yeah, Where right. everybody around Jim Carrey knew that this wasn't actually real, but they had to play it that way. It's a little right. bit like the downfall videos about Hitler, right? The Hitler's bunker, yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> Steiner's I, counterattack will uh, take care of all of this, yeah. <laughs> but I, I think I, I think you're certainly right about about Putin. I mean, like one of the th- obviously the amount of really good granular reporting about what's been going on around Putin is somewhat unreliable, but there's a major theory out there that all of the, uh, the henchmen guys told Putin, Oh yeah, no, we, we, you know, all that bribe money you gave us, we gave it to all the Ukrainian officials. They all took the bribes. They will all lay down and not resist when the, when our tanks go through, and it'll be a surgical three-day operation and we'll decapitate ukraine because we've all these people are bought and paid for and then they went and took that bribe money and bought boats (laughs) (laughs) right and so like Putin's like wait a second i thought they all were bribed you know they all took the money and it's like well well, they were bribed
1: sir that's right yeah well that's the that's you know that is the case that's kind of what happened in um, you know the the financial crisis of two thousand eight. This was explained to me by somebody. Said, so, "Look, you know everybody in the real estate business was making tons of dough. You know the realtor, the realtors were making dough, the escrow companies, all that, all the extra stuff that making tons and tons of dough, and they were kind of the, the only safeguard." Was the, were the appraisers who get paid a certain amount of money because they're sort of, the, they do the job that's legal, right? And the appraisers would drive up to the property and there would be the realtor and his brand new Range Rover and the buyer or the seller and their you know, a top line Mercedes. And the Mercedes in there is like Oldsmobile Achieva from 1997. <laughs> it's like, well, what? Where's my sugar? Where's my taste? And so they just bribed the appraisers. I had a friend of mine at a place in Palm Springs and he was like talking to a realtor friend and the friend said, "Oh, you should sell your place. You could get, you know, some outrageous number for it." My friend said, "How would I get that for?" He goes, "Oh, we just call a crooked appraiser." <laughs> like that was you just could, the crook. It all comes down to the crooked appraiser. Like you need that guy, and I, I think that's what happened. If you were, you know, a corporal, quartermaster, whatever in the Russian army, and you know you got money to go and buy tanks or uniforms or whatever it was, you was like, well, everybody else is getting rich, not right. me. What are we going to? What are we? What do we need the tanks for? What are we going to invade? Ukraine? I don't think so. So, you know, they they called up a lot of of
0: equipment that doesn't exist. That was sort of the HUD scam in the Sopranos, too, right? Yeah, right. They get these cheap loans to buy these overpraised, overvalued things, and then they borrow money against it, and and then they default on them. Um, Although, so this gets
2: to the... Wait, John's uh, here, John. Hey, it's TV's
0: John Podorets. I am back. Yeah, so I was just going to
2: say that that this is... Did you hear my brilliant theory? I loved your. I love all of your theories. Your theory, Uh, Jonah's theory, of course, puts me in mind of the uh, extraordinarily brilliant satirical film, The Death of Stalin, um, which uh, which is about the machinations inside, you know, the Kremlin uh, around and about uh, uh, Stalin's passing. Uh, If you haven't seen it, see it um, tonight. See it tomorrow. The opening bit in that is so great for setting
0: things up. It's just so good with the concert.
2: Yeah. Oh, and, yeah, and the other the other uh, important uh, thing to mention, just you know, totally going afield, is that that movie was written and directed by Armando Iannucci, who was the guiding genius behind the first four seasons of Veep. And of course, we had a we had another uh, insane Veep moment uh, from Kamala Harris, the real life Selena Meyer, this week, <laughs> where at the in the demilitarized zone. Uh, you know, on the on the uh, Korean Peninsula, she uh, she praised our our uh, our long term friendship and relationship with the Republic of North Korea, um, which was uh, really the uh, <laughs> wonderful wonderful <laughs> to hear. But uh, I was I was thinking about how we we find ourselves. You're talking about these sort of you know crooked loans and all of this, and this is the accusation that's being levied against Donald Trump by the uh, Attorney General of the State of New York. <laughs> Only, oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, only yeah. the oddity of her claim is that he inflated the value of his properties, right? Uh, and by inflating the value, which of course is something that people did to get appraisers to uh, value property in such a way that people who could not uh, get or give loans would get or give loans. But but the the oddity here is that he, you know, the the claim is that he would say that his apartment was worth. million when it was worth, you know, a third of that, or that Mar-a-Lago was worth $739 million when it was worth a tenth of that. And that somehow by doing this, he induced banks to give him loans. Um, And so, you know, of all the charges that you can levy against Donald Trump, uh, which are many, the idea that, you know, he somehow tricked banks, forced banks to give him loans that he is currently repaying. Uh, predatory and,
0: borrowing is like a thing, dude. It's like yeah, predatory I mean, lending, so, but now there's predatory so, borrowing.
2: So w- once it, once again, Trump is you know sort of bewitched bewitches his enemies into levying a kind of charge against him that may be the one form of criminality in which he has
1: not in fact you know right. participated. Right. But- do you, do you think maybe that's because people, I mean, uh, people in general don't really know how anything works? Like if you're, uh, you know, in the DA's office in New York, you, you're a law student and you were in law school. You're super theoretical and, you know, like you don't really know how any stuff work. I remember a friend of mine was writing for a, a, a nightly show, a nightly uh, late night show. Uh, which I'll go nameless, but he was writing for them, and he's sort of right of center, and his audience, his colleagues were all young left of center people, and um, he it was during some some housing issue, and they were like trying to make a joke, so talk, talking about a housing you know crisis or housing issue, and he um, he realized that nobody in the room knew how to get a mortgage. Because they were too young and too just too whatever, so he like said, "Well, you know how to get a mortgage, right?" Like no, and so he explained them to them how to get a mortgage, and um, they were mad at him. It made them angry, and he, you know, and then he was like called in by the host, who said, "Listen, just you got to lay low, man. You can't, you know, you can't be telling people how to get mortgages." That's, you know, <laughs> so and like a week later, two weeks later, they were talking about Obamacare. And he had happened to run a small business and had, you know, provided healthcare for his employees. And um, he was explaining how healthcare really worked and why what, what the flaws in Obamacare were if you were, you know, a 50 person or under um, employer. And one of the young, um, very left wing uh, writers burst into tears and she ran from the room. And his boss said, Hey, listen, I think you should go and apologize to her. He said, Well, why? I just, it was after the mortgage thing. And now you're telling him how the healthcare system works. <laughs> <not> a line. <laughs> so I think people just don't know. They just don't know. But why did it make him cry? I mean, that's the thing I'm. I'm uh... Uh, I think it made her cry because he was saying that Obamacare had some structural flaws that needed to be worked out. Like you can't. There, there, the problem was wasn't that anybody safe. who has a business the under space, fifty, yeah, the right. space was no longer was no <laughs> longer no safe. safe. Yeah, right. like thought,
2: thoughts, independent thoughts were coming into her head. Jonah, this cannot be permitted. The possibility I knew knew that he wasn't supposed to.
1: He knew he wasn't supposed to talk about politics on a basically <laughs> how show. to get he a mortgage. That. I mean, but I how I, to get a mortgage he thought was safe, but it is not safe. It's not safe. Now listen. But I mean,
2: this is the interesting thing. I think that's true. And I, I I mean, when Tish James, the attorney general of the state of New York, in her press conference kept saying, no one is above the law. Uh, the simple fact is that Trump signed these documents, which are, I guess, the The reason that she can, you know, she can sue him to get him out of the business. But these documents, when he is claiming the value of properties, it says something like, these are unaudited numbers. You know, essentially, go do your own to the banks. Go do your own due diligence. Accept these numbers at your peril. You know, as far as I'm concerned. Right. My apartment is worth 330 million dollars but that doesn't mean that you have <laughs> yeah, to yeah. think that my apartment right. is worth 330 million dollars and I just don't see any way that the case is any good I'm not a you know again, I'm not a lawyer and I'm not I don't know how anything works I just know logically that accusing somebody of saying to someone my house is worth 330 million dollars lend me money and they go okay isn't exactly well, a crime okay I mean, it's but a it tort. A lot, it could okay, be a tort. Yeah, right. If he goes bankrupt on the basis of borrowing money against a property and misrepresenting it, and then he isn't paying them back. But as far as we know, he's paying all the loans back that he got these, that he used these representations right. to get, in which case there's no harm in which case, as 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 goes in civil procedure, there is no tort because there is no harm. Anyway, but,
1: but, so oh, there's a tart. There's a bunch of tarts done. Oh, oh there's, there's a tart. tart. Oh, tort. There are a lot of tarts. I mean, let's yeah. be honest. There's <laughs> yeah. a yeah. lot of tarts. But <laughs> <laughs> a plum tart.
2: You can't beat a plum tart. In my you opinion. Can't. What is the
1: um, best tart? How wait, that Jonah's going to say something. Hold on.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, now my mind is reeling about who the best I know, me tart too. is. But I'm thinking will we'll, we'll, We we'll definitely circle back <laughs> to that. Um, but though this gets to, you know, gets back to Rob's point about the Truman show-esqueness of Trump. It's like Trump had fake Time magazine man of the year covers made of himself and hung them in his club. He had right. um a fake Scottish heraldry thing um hung up in one of his other in his Scottish club. And he is one of these guys who thinks it's, it's sort of like, you know, telling Zelensky, "Just say you're doing an investigation, and we'll do the rest." Right? He he yeah, lives right. in a world where if it's printed or reported on TV, that makes it real, and then he works from that. You know, and like, I don't. I don't think he's wrong about that. I mean, I think no, he has I a mean, kind look, of a there's marketing certainly something strength. right about it. Yeah. Right, but no, I, I guess no I just mean that, that ultimately,
1: ultimately, when you are. You ultimately have to leave the metaverse and join the real world. You have to. That is just the way if you want to accomplish anything. So if you really want to win reelect, you kind of have to get out of the metaverse. If you really want to invade Ukraine, you kind of have to make sure you don't live in the metaverse. Living in the metaverse ah, I disagree. is a problem. I
2: think, Trump, I think Trump disproves your contention. because Wait, I, think I, think of what no, my contention did.
1: is he's not president.
2: No, but what he did was like the secret. It's like this, you know, the idea, Oprah's big thing that she, you know, that she advocated. I I live my my life, John. No, it's, it's how you think about something and you magically make it happen. So he imagined himself on the cover of Time magazine. And made Time magazines like, with himself on the cover, and then seven or eight years later, he's Man of the Year.
1: Like, no, he, he made I, that happen. I, I hear, I see your point. I guess what I mean is, if you want the really important things, you need to accomplish in life. And if if those there are those things, I mean, we're talking about two people who had big plans like, you know, he wanted to be reelected. He doesn't even believe he wasn't reelected. That's how much in the metaverse he lives. Hey, I have people calling me up all the time. Look at my rallies, all that stuff. And, and Putin's the same thing. Look, I got all these guys. They're like they tell me where everything's terrific. They're it, it, we're going to take you, Kiev in a minute. And he does not because he lives. He already lives in the metaverse. And now they want everyone else to live in that metaverse. And I am telling you, I think. I think it might be pleasant for a lot of us, but I think if you ever wanted to accomplish something, you just you it's a real problem. But speaking of accomplishing something, if you're anything like me, you have a certain tendency to put things off until the very last minute. That's called procrastination. I don't have that problem, except in some instances um, <laughs> when I have uh, a column due, et cetera. And most <laughs> of the time, look, it works out. You know, you're an kind of ad. <laughs> or, yeah, Madrid. Uh, <laughs> but the one thing in life that you really cannot afford to wait on is setting up term coverage life insurance. I and mean, you've probably seen life insurance commercials on TV and thought, yeah, I'll look into that later. But no, this is something you can wait on. This is not something you can wait on. You've got to choose life insurance through Ladder today, L A D D R, Ladder today. Ladder is 100% digital, no doctors, no needles, no paperwork. When you apply for $3 million in coverage or less, just answer a few questions about your health in an application. Ladder's customers rate them 4.8 out of five stars on TrustPilot, and they made Forbes' Best Life Insurance 2021 list. So you just need a few minutes and a phone or a laptop to apply. Ladder's smart algorithms work in real time, so you'll find out if you're instantly approved. No hidden fees. You can cancel anytime. You get a full refund if you change your mind in the first 30 days. Ladder policies are issued by insurers with long, proven histories of paying claims. They're rated A and A plus by AM Best. So finally. Since life insurance costs more at your age, I don't know how they know that, but they, they're correct. Now's the time <laughs> to cross it off your list. So go to ladderlife.com slash glop today and see if you're instantly approved. That's ladder, L-A-D-D-E-R, life.com slash glop, ladderlife, all one word, .com slash glop. We thank ladder for sponsoring the glop podcast and for providing insurance for our listeners.
2: Uh, I want to we? praise oh, someone, I, you, I want to yeah. praise someone named Goldberg, but it's not Jonah Goldberg. Whoopie? It is Adam F. Goldberg. Who is the executive producer and creator of a television show that has been on the air now for 10 years? That uh, I was just telling Robbie needed to watch, and that I think Jonah has never watched. The show is actually called The Goldbergs, and it is on ABC and it's now also on Hulu. And the reason that I want to praise Adam F. Goldberg is this is a show that I had seen one or two episodes of and it found mildly funny but my my 12-year-old son has now started watching it and he is a completist and so he is watching it from season 1 through the you know through where it is now it's still on the air uh, i think it started in 2012 so it's one of the longest running shows on television and um, i want to commend it to everybody because it is hilarious and I I, I am really? astounded because this show is one of the funniest, laugh out loud, funniest shows I've seen, you know, in, I don't know, since I was an adult in some ways. I've now seen 10 or 12 episodes of it, you know, alongside my son. Uh, and it is uh, remarkably good and it has is no it, cultural profile whatsoever, is it, as far as is I can it,
1: tell. Is it for? Everyone, if you know what I'm saying.
2: Now I know why you're asking that, Rob, but because it, it is a seem like it's for show everyone. called The Goldbergs, and it is about a family living uh in suburban uh, Philadelphia, and um mm-hmm. the father's name is Murray, and yeah. and the mother's okay. name is Beverly, and so you are you are making a mild uh, you were asking a question about it's uh, whether it would be appealing to members of other ethnic Do uh, the groups, Goldbergs have from... deep
0: roots in the Philadelphia <laughs> area? <laughs> yeah, or right. are they, okay, like, research? Recent... No,
1: but here's mm-hmm. here's what I want <laughs> to Would you call them cosmopolitan? You. Are they cosmopolitan? <laughs> <laughs> so here's what I
2: want to tell you, though. So my son is 12, or 12 in a couple of months. Right. And I right. said to him... Uh, he has grown up in a Jewish community, a very Jewish community. Kosher, goes to a Jewish day school. And I said right. to him, "Well, you know, this is a show about a Jewish family." He was like, "What?"
1: He did not <laughs> know.
2: After a season, well, and I half. mean,
1: okay, that is, this, d- I no, don't think
2: that line. makes the argument you think that it means, makes. It does not make the argument because it's first of all, it's set in the 1980s which is the first point so that all of the cultural references are not Jewish cultural references, but they're references to twisted sister, the references, to the karate kid, their references to girls who just want to have fun and uh, you know, uh-huh. uh, hairstyles and uh, can't buy me love with Patrick Dempsey and Amanda Peterson and all of that stuff. Right. So that, that is the, 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 the meat of it is a sort of, it's like the wonder years, but about a family, in the 1980s with a father who constantly calls his kids moron and a mother who is constantly scheming to involve herself in her kid's life, and they want her not in their kids. Life. It doesn't really matter. It's just hmm. that the show itself is extraordinarily funny, and we never get a
1: chance. Yeah, to
2: say well, we, hear, we have complicated- heard about it. I mean, praiseworthy.
1: Yeah, we have heard about it. We like uh, you know George Siegel was in it, and, and the late George he Siegel. was, and yeah, and then also they fired Jeff. Um, Garland, Garland from that, who is uh, played, I think one of the, the characters father. who he played the father. He's no longer he the show. The, father.
2: the show is about the two the show is about the three yeah.
1: kids. But I guess really. what I and mean to say, is John, is the that, star of it. I, I guess what I mean to say is as much as I, I understand what your point is that your son, uh, who sort of lives in a um in a very Jewish environment didn't notice that it was Jewish, is the same thing as saying the fish don't know they're wet. You
0: know
1: what I'm saying? It's like I, I Okay. D- no.
2: Here's Wait, what the problem with your theory is it's on, it has been on ABC since 2012. ABC is not a Jewish day school, it is a broadcast network <laughs> covering all 50 states, and it's, and it's on Hulu. And so it appears that people who are not, as we say, members of the tribe seem to enjoy the show. I, 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 oh, I'm not, I'm not, I, 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 I'm not, re- I'm really asking as a consumer. episodes of it.
1: As a consumer I'm asking the question that I believe is the question that some viewers were at, potential viewers are asking um which is like I don't know it seems like is this for me um not that it not that the answer the should answer be is no the, but the answer
2: is, the answer if, is if you yes. like funny things it right. is for you and right. what's the other interesting thing about it is then I started reading up on it a little bit and originally the show was gonna be called How the F Am I Normal? And it was Adam Goldberg's gonna be this account of this kid, like was it's right. gonna be an anti-Wonder Years. It's gonna be a show right. about a kid who lives in a family where he's belittled and his father insults him and his mother is overbearing and all of that. And then as the development process ground on and it became an actual network show, it became a show about a loving family. And it very much like the Wonder Years and that at the end of every episode, there's kind of like a heartwarming coming together of the family at the end and all of that. And that Adam Goldberg's initial effort to exercise his demons in a Portnoy's complaint way was softened into a family-friendly product that I'm sure is vastly better, vastly more entertaining, right. and vastly truer right. to his own experience, given his success in life, than the, you know, coruscating, you know, hot version that he had originally wanted to yeah. make out of his uh, own life.
1: Can, can I just add one, a little bit of color to that in the background? is that yeah. it, it comes from, it comes from the studio, is Sony, and it comes from uh, Happy Madison, uh, which is a uh, um, Adam Sandler, Adam, Adam Sandler, Sandler's yeah. company, and he's had it for a long time. And I know some people work there, and I work with Adam. Super nice guys, extremely, extremely normal people. Um, you know, maybe even like just because everything else is so left wing and woke, they they could maybe seem a little conservative. Although I don't think they really are. Um, they just they just don't they're not nuts, right? Um. And they resolutely have been trying to do, uh, you know, a crowd-pleasing entertainment, right, for crowds. And that's kind of their goal. Um, and you can see it in Adam Sandler's work. He does, he'll does he do some weird indie kind of movies where he's very, very good. And he'll do some big, broad comedy, which is maybe not your thing, but it's the, it certainly has an audience. Uh, and I guess what I mean is that I, of all the people I know in that company, not one of them seems like... They're trying to teach me a lesson. They all Mm. seem like they're trying to entertain me. Right. So I haven't seen the Goldbergs. I should see the Goldbergs. And now I will see the Goldbergs. Um, And uh, I will do it. uh, And it's a mitzvah. And Jonah, as a Goldberg, you have probably not seen the Goldbergs.
0: I've seen one or two episodes and I like them. I just never really made the commitment because I feared I it would flip the completest switch in me and I'd have to do the whole thing and that's a big commitment. Um but we should point out that like The Goldbergs was a very famous radio show. Um and then yeah, then a TV show for a little while, right? I mean, um one of the first sitcoms. And like the history of sitcoms like some people begin it with the original Goldbergs. Um and, you know, just just Rob and I were saying before you came on that the show, this podcast really isn't about pop culture. It's about culture that used to be popular. So I just figured I would make that point. <laughs> Perfect, yeah, I did once to make a mistake when I, I think I was thinking uh, when somebody
1: was telling me. So that I, I
2: ruined your theory. And now that I've ruined your theory, I'm actually going to have to drop off again and permanently because I've arrived at my at my uh, destination where I have a required appointment. But I do just want to. Say <laughs> this is so this ruthless one of you. Thing. I want to say this exactly. one very important thing. A. Jonah wrote a brilliant piece, uh, which I believe you've taken out from behind the paywall. I did about yeah, thank you. Uh, the old right, and it's the 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 uh, the revivification of the old right, and everybody should read it. And Rob, uh, your piece is due in two days. That's yeah. Your piece. I knew you that don't procrastinate, as we know.
1: But I, I don't. But I, like you try to tell me my piece is due guys. today. Yeah. I like the idea that he just drops that right now. Right. And he, said that he told, he told I, me, in a by the way, your piece is due on Friday. But, like, no, that's September 30th. My piece is due sometime in October, early October. Okay,
2: it's due Saturday, October 1st at 12.01 a.m.
1: Well, well, yeah, I, I got to get life insurance first
2: okay anyway i'm sorry john i'm sorry to uh, dominate and run but uh, now you can make fun of me behind my back
1: so that's great that's our our second favorite way to make fun of you (laughs) um (laughs) uh well now that he's gone we can talk about donors trust we are sponsored today by donors trust the tax-friendly way to simplify your charitable giving without compromising your values is cancel culture coming for your charitable dollars Big banks that sponsor charitable savings accounts or donor advised funds, as they're formerly called, have a history of slow walking or altogether blocking donations to conservatives and libertarian charities. Charities rejected by some of the big banks include Atlas Network, National Review Institute, the National Rifle Association Foundation, Liberty Council, and others. Clearly, not every donor-advised fund provider welcomes libertarians or conservatives. Let Donors Trust help service your charitable giving. Donors Trust was built with my listeners in mind, our listeners in mind, people who believe limited government and constitutional rights are worth fighting for. If you already have a donor-advised fund, consider opening a rollover account. It can be done in three simple steps by calling my friends at Donors Trust. The Donors Trust team will work with you to protect your charitable legacy and help you achieve your charitable goals. Partner with a fund that matches your values. To learn more, download their prospectus at www.donorstrust.org. all one word, org slash glop. That's www.donorstrust.org dot org slash glop to align your giving with your values. Visit www.donorstrust.org. dot org slash glop. And we thank donors trust for sponsoring the block, the glop, the block, the glop podcast.
0: The glop, the the Um, wait, where were we before John interrupted us? Before this, he rootlessly just swept in, <laughs> offered a lot of complaints, yeah, right, and <laughs> super pushy, and <laughs> yeah, then left.
1: Yeah, uh, from
0: a from a from a new from a New York street. We were talking about the the the, the meta thing, the Truman Show, the metaverse. And then, so I would say,
1: I would say that th- this is a, a, a example of the metaverse because I think John he said this at the end, he goes, well, I'm sorry for ruining your theory, which he didn't do. No, but now do he's all. in his own metaverse, like, doing whatever he's doing, thinking, I, I, I settled that one. But he didn't really.
0: He, yeah. He's basically Putin. I mean, the... Twitter is its own metaverse, right? There are an enormous number of people yeah. who think all of the conversations that matter are happening there, when in fact very few of the conversations that matter are happening right. there. Right. Right. Um, but, uh, um, I just like my thing about the metaverse, the real metaverse, not the sort of figurative, uh, ana- uh, analogizing metaverse that we've been talking about, um, is like every time I see sort of an, an ad or a TV report about what the metaverse looks like, it looks like a really bad cartoon. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah. It doesn't look like a much improvement over Second Life, which was, what, a thing like 20-something years ago? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, like, like, it seems to me you know, there's this... There's this. Yeah, we've probably talked about this before, but there's this old rule that biggest innovators and in new forms of communication have been, in, at least in the past, pornographers and conservatives. Yeah, that's um, right. Right? And so conservatives came up with direct mail, talk radio, all these ways of getting around the normal gatekeepers who didn't like conservatives and pornographers were even better at it. Right. Oh yeah. If I were, uh, uh, and maybe I'm just super ignorant about the current state of porn technology. But like, if I were Zuckerberg and really wanted to attract profit driven, entrepreneurial, talented people into f- Pardon the expression, <laughs> fleshing out the metaverse <laughs> um, just to make it have better graphics in it. And just, make putting it... A little,
1: just, just putting some more meat on those bones, exactly.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, stiffing it the up, skin in that game. Yeah, um, <laughs> um, uh, the uh, the get some get some, you know, meta pornography out there. You know, um, and maybe it exists, and I'm just like such a rube because I don't know that. But yeah, like you don't know that. I don't even, maybe they
1: should do this. Is, is there such a thing? Yeah. Uh, well, that's true. I mean, you know, uh, porn, uh, basically pornography, the difference between pornography, of course, and conservatives is that the people actually pay for pornography and no Correct. one really wants to pay for conservative thought. But um, the thing about pornography was they, they colonized everything, home video. I mean, you know, yeah. when Bob, remember Bob Crane, you know, yes. Hogan of Hogan's Heroes, right? He was a, a, a TV star for many years. Hogan's Heroes a huge hit, but afterwards he had just enough money to do like dinner theater in various places, and uh, he was doing personal appearances or what people call, people in the business called the personals. I did I, I was doing a lot of personals this week, meaning just appearing someplace, and so he traveled around a lot. And he carried with him he's a porn freak, uh, both watching and making, but he carried around with him this enormous because he had to this enormous amount of. Of equipment, equipment. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was like boxes and boxes of stuff he needed to carry um and you just think of like and then then of course after there was home video that this is an explosion and they basically subsidized the development of home video and then on the internets as if you're old enough like if you're old like me you remember when people should say things like well no one's ever going to trust the internet you're never going to put your credit card right number in the internet you're going to buy anything from the internet and people actually did buy a lot of pornography from the internet. In fact, it destroyed the pornography, the, the sort of pornography theater movement, right? Or business. Um, so yeah, what, porn is usually ahead. Porn is usually ahead, and then right next to it is the music business. Mm-hmm. And so if you ever want to know what happened in the movie business, it's, it's what's happening what happened in the music business about 10 years ago. Um, and porn is is way ahead. So there, there I guarantee you there is probably really bad, but um, but there's definitely
0: metaverse porn. Why wouldn't there be? Yeah, no, just, and like and if it's ever going to if they're ever going to make it seem like you're really actually in you know a real other universe or dimension, it's going to have to come from the porn industry, right? Cuz the people who <laughs> yeah. want that will pay yeah. for it. <laughs> They'll pay for it. <laughs> yeah. And they want something very specific. That's the That's thing. Right. It's
1: like a friend of mine is saying that uh, the weirdest things happen is that that the internet turned every every uh, pornography consumer into a essentially a Japanese pornography consumer. Very specific. That's right. Requirements. They, this it must include these things and these moments at this time. Um, so yeah, maybe should we have something to look
0: forward to? I suppose. What are you saying? You know, <laughs> um, then again, you look at Japan and the. I think you know the like it's, it, it's difficult to explain to people how weird Japan really is. Have you ever been to Japan? Yeah. yeah oh, so yeah. like, so I went once on a long television production trip for about ten days in to Tokyo, twenty five thirty years ago now, and you know there's that electronic store district. Whereas like they have actually department stores of just like electronics, Ropinga, Rohingya. I can't remember what it's called. And, um, I remember looking at like the D this is back when DVDs were still the main form of like video watching. And I remember looking at the case and there would be like, Oh, look, there's the little rascals remake and there's die hard. And there's a nurse hanging from a meat hook while a guy sniffs her underwear. All like in the same <laughs> row. You know, it was like the most deranged, sick, yeah. twisted right. porn at eye level alongside just like, and I was like, it's like, let's list all of these titles alphabetically. you know? <laughs> yeah, well, How else are you going to find them? And the, in, in the eighties, there was a lot of talk about how there was a comic book, you know, uh, rape man and that kind of thing. Yeah, right. And so I right. think the depravity of the Japanese porn market is a major driver of the declining fertility rate in in japan is that they've just it's sort of like when bart cautions lisa at the movies when she closes her eyes during a scary scene she says lisa you know if you close your eyes it's just going to take so much longer for you to become desensitized to the violence um, <laughs> or something like that <laughs> and I, I think, you know, I think it's like, true. I mean, okay, like, so the so here's my here's a yeah. question just to make yeah. the point clear. There's this whole group of weird sub uh there's a subculture of nationalist right wing, largely anti Semitic types um on the right who are proud of the fact that they're celibate. Um right. and um and they talk about it as if like it's a thing. In the history of humanity, other than a few like... They're vol mon- cells. Instead of incels, they're vol cells. Yeah. voluntary like, celibates. The, other than like a monastic movement, yeah. like young men are not supposed to be bragging about that. And, um, <laughs> uh, and I think it's directly a result of like the porn stuff. It raises well, expectations. Kind of, you know?
1: the, yeah, Right. This it does then it's it oh, we, that is a form of the metaverse that people live in, and they really the reason they, they can't be in real life in that respect is because it doesn't me- it doesn't really measure up, it's not as good as uh, right. the metaverse. And if you just don't need it to be real, as long as you don't need it to be real, you'll, you're fine. But the minute you're trying to actually, you know, uh, win a re election or invade Ukraine or you know, invade the, uh, your date you're after the third date you know it's gonna be trouble right you're just not prepared for it so that it's not like i haven't really thought about that part of it but what's interesting is um that uh, the only the only weirdo kind of country like japan that i can think of just i'm sure there's others but the the thing that it has in common with japan is the island nation of great britain Mm -hmm. which it was genuinely, I mean, maybe less, I don't really know now. It was genuinely weird. There was, you had to go, like if you went, if you were back in the days before everybody had cell phones, if you walk, there were telephone boxes everywhere. And if you were walking through Mayfair, which is sort of the fanciest part of London, um, probably one of the fanciest part of Europe. And you are walking through uh, Mayfair and you go into a telephone box to make a telephone call. The, the walls were covered yeah. with ads um, for, for not for like, phone stuff or internet like for dominatrixes yeah or dominatrices i guess um uh, places you could go with an address, and you'd go, and you uh, and the lady, we really mean to you, and she would step on you with her high heel or whatever she do. And uh, I think English guys are just totally into this. They, they had this like thing deeply embedded in their DNA or their pre-verbal like matron. Matron's been very, I'd be naughty, matron, and then matron, <laughs> and, you know, oh, take the switch to you, young man. And they, they, it was a huge thing. I think it still is a huge thing. And it's like these weird island nations, like. I mean, even like I mean, I find it delicious, but there's something weirdly anal about sushi, right? Oh, it's all wrapped up. And it's kind <laughs> of that, you know, it's like it's not like it's like a it's like a an image of food. Uh-huh. 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 It's not like I remember once my, my uncle lived in, in China and I was in China in like this is not that long ago, maybe two thousand six. And um it was right after the the annual I think it was Abe who did it that year. Um, the traditional Japanese prime minister would lay a wreath at the Shinto shrine, and the Shinto shrine had uh, for the war dead included people who had committed incredible war crimes in China. And the Chinese always hated this; they always complained and complained and complained. And um, uh, that year, he said, "Look, we'll go to this banquet, and the guy you'll probably be sitting next to some, you know, colonel in the Chinese army. Uh, at the beginning of the meal, um, ask him what he thinks about the." Replaying, and then like halfway through ask him again because he'll have forgotten that you asked him because he'll be <laughs> incredibly red-faced and drunk right for drinking <laughs> curvoisier and ginger ale all night um so I did. So the first thing I asked, them, oh, tell me about this, this." This was well, you know, Japan is a strategic uh, competitor in the nation, in the region. But we have, we need to work together because the region has many uh, dangers, and they are, of course, uh, traditionally an enemy. But we we have to move forward. It's a, uh, it's insulting to us that they do this, and um, we hope that they will soon see our point of view, and we'll be able to work together. Yeah, diplomatic answer. Then, like halfway through the dinner, I ask them again. and this point, he's like you know, five of- tumblers of, you know. And I said, what do you think of that? He goes, oh, they will pay. They will pay. <laughs> and, and just vicious, like we're going to invade them tomorrow. And then he said something. He said, look at this. He put waved at the table. Right? Which at that point, it had just giant plates of food and bowls yes. and everything and like, you know, delicious Chinese banquet. Because this is a meal. You go to China, Japan and you ask for a meal and little this little that. It's all lined <laughs> up in a row. And he's like, hey, such contempt for like the little uptight anal retentive way they were, and that, and look, you know this is like better, right uh-huh. um, And I think there is something to that, like the idea that it isn't the idea of it isn't food, it's the idea of food, and it isn't um I mean, for some of these the, the Japanese porn, it's not even pornography, it's just these weird scenarios that yeah, 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 you know,
0: yeah,' way too specific and but on the food point, you know, I hadn't really thought about it, but <laughs> um Japan pioneered this thing, and you see it all over Japan, but you see it in Japanese restaurants here, and now Chinese restaurants do it, Korean restaurants do it, but Japan created it as an art form where they would put replicas of the dish in the window, right? Yeah. Sort of, like, so, like, you could see what the food you, it's not the actual dish, it's, like, made of plastic or plaster or whatever, and it's hand-painted, but it's, like, it's a facsimile of what you would actually get. It's very, when you talk about it, it's kind of metaversy, I mean, you know. It's, it's metaversy, right. Yeah. right.
1: And then when you eat it, you're like, I mean, I like sushi. I love to go out and have sushi, but I'm never like, I never say, oh, man, am I stuffed? <laughs> like, it's always like I had, like, like I, I think, like, I ate a bunch of pictures of sushi. I really, you know, it's like, at this point, it's all been like removed from the fish itself and then cut into weird shapes and then rolled in some weird way.
0: So we went... Uh, this is a true story, and I have witnesses who can back it up, but lots of people don't believe me. We went... When I was there, it was a business trip. Uh, we we're producing these PBS shows, and this guy who was an executive from NHK Television who was a friend of my boss's, took us all out to dinner, and I think he likes to take the gaijin to this place. And so we go to dinner, and... Lots of good stuff, good sake, whatever. And then it's not sushi; it's, I guess sashimi comes mm-hmm. out their specialty. And it's the whole fish, with the head and the tail attached, and but the meat in the middle has been sort of cubed into not cubes, but more like rectangles, and stacked in a pyramid going up on its <laughs> own body on the spine of the fish, yeah. right? And when they put like three of them out, big table, different parts of the table. And he's like, "Oh, help yourself. It's very good, very fresh, you know, and you start to take the chopsticks they'll take some pieces off, and all of a sudden you realize the head of the fish is moving, and the tail of the fish is moving, and they have <laughs> barbarically <laughs> kept this fish alive while you eat the meat of the fish, and it like like I remember my friend Nick Schultz who was there, you know, I remember him looking." And pulling this thing of fish, and the fish starts to shake so much that the, the chunks start collapsing, falling down like Jenga. And, and the fish looks them in the eye. and It's like, do you realize how barbaric what you're doing? Yeah, here? It's just- dude. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, it's bad enough. <laughs> and it was so grotesque and fascinating yeah. and such a reflection of like something different,
1: you know? Yeah, so. that's, I mean, wasn't there that scene in the, in the Hannibal movie where Hannibal mm. Lecter is drugged
0: Ray he Liotta?
1: Eats, he eats Ray Liotta's brain in front of him, yeah. And he eats Ray Liotta's brain in front of him, and Ray Liotta wants to try it. Oh, that smells good, because he's all been, you know, he's completely out to lunch, yeah. but he's alive. Yeah. I bet you it's better, though. He can eat brains better, but better. they're better when they're alive.
0: I'm be- that's probably right. Well, uh, the, the French do have that horrible, evil... Delicacy that Chirac, I think, was the last president to eat. Where it's some songbird that the ocellon. Yeah, yeah, we don't need to get into it. People are probably already pretty horrified. But um, well, people think I am an Occidental jingoist. I am not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Uh, if they are uh, horrified at the things that you eat,
1: I have some solutions for them uh, to make them feel healthy. Our next partner has a product I use literally every day. I start. It's so Athletic Greens. I started taking AG One Athletic Greens One uh, because I kind of didn't don't like multivitamins, but I also kind of wanted to have a little pick me up and um, in the middle of the day. And I thought this is a perfect way to do it to get all the stuff that people tell me I need, the probiotics, the prebiotics, all the stuff. And I've been using it for many years, and I love it. It doesn't taste like it's super healthy. It's kind of a mild tropical taste. It's not too sweet, by the way, which I really like. And I actually look forward to it. Every day. So, what is this stuff? With Athletic Greens 1, a delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day, right? This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy recovery, focus, and aging. All the important things, I they say drink, drink in the morning. I probably should do it in the morning, but I don't do it in the morning. I do it in the afternoon. I for some reason it just I just really like it, and I get them in the travel pack, so I don't have to scoop and mix. The travel packs are what you want, um, but if you scoop and mix, you'll be fine too. Um, and it's just I mean it really just it's, uh, I I know put it this way I know when I don't do it, uh. So it's um it's super beneficial. It's the one th- it's one thing. One scoop, Athletic Greens, with the best things. Uses the best products based on the latest science with constant product iterations and third-party testing. Contains less than one gram of sugar. No GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything while still tasting great. It supports better sleep quality, recovery, along with mental clarity and alertness. And right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. Just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. Make it easy. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and and five free travel packs with your first purchase. And I'm telling you, you'll fall in love with the travel packs. Um, All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash glop. I don't know, we keep doing that. Athletic all one dot com slash glop. Again, this is AthleticGreens.com slash glop. Take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance today. We thank Athletic Greens for sponsoring the Glop podcast. I'm telling it is good stuff. It's not sweet. That's why I like it.
0: Yeah, I can tell you're sincere about it. Yeah, I have like yeah. sincere voice. on it. Uh, Okay. Is, so is, just, is, is there a yeah. human being that you know that can fake sincerely? But fake sincer- sincerity more poorly than John Podoretz? <laughs> oh, uh, wow. I, I, do, um, I mean, like, you never feel. That's a really good question. Like, John uh, is never. John's an open book, I think, is my point. There's not a lot of guile to John. I, th- I mean, this is partly as a compliment, but only partly. Oh, yeah, it is a compliment. It is a compliment. Yeah. I-, I think
1: that he would not take it that way, but that's because. That's because he's sort of prickly in that respect.
0: But Yeah, no, you, go, John is the kind of guy you could goad into saying, "Oh no, I am like the best liar," you know? <laughs> right, right. I can be uh, so think, disingenuous. You yeah. have no
1: idea. But I think John. I mean, I don't know. we am talking about him behind his back, which again, it's my second favorite way to talk about. I, I think. Um, I think he would like to think that he. I think he wanted at some point guess i don't know this for a fact but just knowing john and his interests etc that if you know he could do any other job it would be to be an actor for sure oh, on stage yeah. yeah yeah yeah. and i think maybe that he's, he's written as much in away the from, yeah yeah he's either turned away from that and then decided to become sincere or what ultimately kept him from stardom we'll say is the fact that he just has a hard time
0: lying which is essentially the whole point of acting He's just too honest. That's all. He's yeah. He's the last honest man. Yeah. Um, I, there was uh, a
1: great um, on TikTok. I saw somebody put up a clip of old Johnny Carson. Uh, moment. It's uh, jo- uh, uh, Annie Potts, who was a very young actress then. I think she'd just been in uh, Ghostbusters and Shelley Winters. Uh, and Annie Potts was talking about Shelley, which was the, was, the, was next to her on the couch. And Annie Potts was talking about something she'd done, something she'd like some, some show. And um, and Johnny Carson. So which, which you what do you like the most? Uh, movies or TV? And she said, I kind of like, like the, depends, you know, different characters. Well, what, um, what, what's your favorite movie you've been in? And, she, and then she turns to, to Shelley Winters and says, Well, probably it's the one I was in with Shelley Winters. And Shelley Winters kind of looks at her and goes, What? What, what movie was this? <laughs> like, I never heard of it. And then she tells the name of the movie. And then Shelley Winters instantly turns on and goes, oh, yes, you were marvelous in that. You were marvelous in that. <laughs> and Johnny Garcia just
0: like, like, a funny, right? like, like, laughs. Um, uh, I'm just trying to wrap up the uh, rootless cosmopolitan bubble <laughs> sure, metaverse thing. So um, this is a story David French tells. Uh, my colleague at the Dispatch, right? right. Who was born in, um, I want to say, rural Kentucky, might have been rural Tennessee, you know, whatever. Uh, goes to a very small Christian college, and then goes to Harvard Law School, and, uh, and I, I'm telling this story out of love because uh, David's a yeah. very good friend of mine, and all right, But he tells it himself. So David, is one of his professors, like Professor. You know uh, you know Abe Friedman or something like that, has huh. students over for brunch um every year like beginning of the freshman uh, first um, year yeah. of law school right and he has them over, and they have um a buffet and David says mm. to two of his classmates Saul greenstein and you know and and and, and. And Phil Goldberg, he says, This sushi is amazing. And one of the guys says, Dave, what do you that's not sushi? That's locks. And (laughs) and he goes, It is? And he says, Yeah, well, it's great. Because all David's thinking is raw fish, you know, it must be sushi because he's never had anything like it, you know, either. And then one of the other guys says, Dave, don't you know any Jews? And David says, no, do you? <laughs> <laughs> it's a big, diverse country.
1: That's all it I'm is saying. It is a big, diverse country. I had a friend of mine, it, uh, this is like many years, I think, before, well, not maybe many years, but years before David was at Harvard Law School, and uh, a kid grew up in Mississippi, and he's like in the um, freshman year in the dining hall, at Yale, on like a, in a Sunday morning or something. It's a stack of bagels. And he really says, those are the worst donuts I've ever eaten. <laughs> <laughs> well, how is he supposed to know?
0: Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um and well, it's, it's a little bit reminiscent of a, it's not quite the same thing, but like what made me think about it is is a lot of bagels across the country. Bagel's have gotten much better everywhere, I I would argue. True. But That's true. but like your typical like lenders store-bought bagel at the, at the free breakfast at the Ramada in Sioux Falls, you know, that kind of not too great. And, and it's funny people who grew up eating those don't understand why, um, there's such a big deal about them. And it's very much like remember in Barcelona, um, the whole controversy about hamburguesas where (laughs) cause the (laughs) Spanish have no idea how to make a good hamburger. They make a facsimile of a good hamburger, which is just like bad meat cooked wrong, held together wrong, and then people eat it. And then it's like this tastes terrible. Those Americans must be such philistines for making such a big deal about hamburgers, but they're not actually the hamburgers that people eat. Right, right. They're, but but they, those places were still super popular in Europe. I mean, I
1: remember in France they had, and they all had great names. There was one. Uh, Called uh Heatburger, Hitburger. Mm-hmm. And everything was a hit something, hit this. So you go, uh, i will have a, a hit, uh hitburger fromage, uh hit jambon, a little hit uh, ham sandwich, I guess. But hit was before everything, and mm-hmm. all the kids just were there all the time. It was like the after school, the Champs-Élysée, the, the, the school kids were there because they thought, Oh, this is American. Who else yeah, would yeah, call yeah. it a hit burger? But yeah. and in fact, it was pretty bad. It was pretty yeah. bad. I mean, I, the, the reality is that. They should have gone down, kept walking to the McDonald's, which at least has some kind of quality control around the yeah. world. Not much, but some. Um, but I always love that the Hitburger. Um so wait, we should probably do a little bit of pop culture. Sure. Uh, before we go, um, you're watching you're how where are you in in uh
0: so I watched Breaking Bad. So we talked about it before. So you were watching, you watch Better Call Saul all the way. Watch the whole thing all the way through. Yeah. And then and then my wife. I kept pointing out things in Better Call Saul that were callbacks to Breaking Bad or call forwards, I guess, in this kind of context, Um, because Better Call Saul, for the most part, takes place entirely before the universe of Breaking Bad. It's like a prequel. And -hmm. and I was like, oh, that's interesting. They're referencing that or whatever. And my wife realized that she basically didn't remember very much of Breaking Bad because she watched it when it first came out. You know, whatever that was. So, i was like i'll rewatch the whole thing with you and so like you know every couple nights we'll watch two in a row and we're now just up to season five and i think it only goes to season six or something like that and um it's really interesting to watch first of all maybe other people's opinions differ and like i've watched it more than once because i wrote a cover story for national review years ago when it was winding down saying it was the best show on television and um but it was funny um Walter White is more evil than my memory would have said, and more more evil earlier than my memory would have said. And Jesse Pinkman is more of a victim who does bad things, but you can kind of like see why he's doing them um, in ways that uh, kid, right? Yeah, and that part was was interesting. Uh, Also, Gustavo Fring is in it less than I remembered, Um, but they're. It's really impressive that there, there are only a handful of things with Better Call Saul that don't match. And since Better Call, since Saul Goodman is such a BS artist, you can't necessarily hold the things he says in Breaking Bad right, right against right. the show because he could have just been lying. And he's like, "Oh, that's what my second wife said." Like, well, he doesn't have a second wife, and you know, uh, or a third wife right. or whatever in right in Better Call Saul, and um. He's a little bit more of a pig in in Breaking Bad because he starts out as a comedic relief and then he becomes a dramatic figure in Better Call Saul. But the continuity is actually pretty impressive.
1: Wow, that's great. I mean, I, I have, I'm not I'm way behind on Better Call Saul, but I do want to watch. I also just love the way that when they're telling that story, oh, the, the, those big stories, they just kind of went where they wanted to go. Mm-hmm. They just. They just, there's like the inefficiency of it. I really like the idea that for no reason, we're going to spend a couple seasons in better call Saul with his brother. Who's got right. this weird psychological, weird problem. Right. It's just, we're just going to take a little detour and we're going to come back where we this. They, they really, I mean, I'm going to say they indulged, but they didn't, it wasn't indulgent in a bad way. They really took time to kind of create this bizarre but I think specific world. So it doesn't seem, you know, anything specific always sounds like it's real. I mean, the, the more specific something is, the more truthful it seems. Um, so maybe that's, that was their secret. I, 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 uh, I the, the Walter White being an, um, more evil than you remember is interesting. I was once, I had a meeting once, this is a long time ago. Um, with a network and they were just talking about the things that they liked and what they're looking for. And it's just like a general thing meeting, we we're sitting around and a cup of coffee. And they said, you know, we were we, what we're really looking for, we'd be you know, we great is what's because I write comedy, it's like, what's the comedy version of Breaking Bad? <laughs> I was like, Well, I don't know. I mean, it's terminally ill teacher gets involved in the drug trade and brings his whole life and family down. And well, not that part. We're just looking like the teacher who thinks outside the box. (laughs) It's like, oh, yeah, I get it. Like, (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. it's not that hard. (laughs) Um, hey, how do we do without John? Okay, so I I didn't. I didn't mean to to cut
0: you off. I'm I'm being respectful of the one-hour limit. Um, just one last thing. Um, yeah, I I haven't read the piece yet, but um, some critic, I think at Yahoo wrote this write-up of, um, what's his name? The creator of The Wire. Um, oh, yeah. David Simon. S- yeah. Defending himself against the charge of making conservative art. <laughs> and I got to say, this warms the cockles of my heart so bad. In the 2000s, I used to do these corner posts every now and then about The Wire or G-Files about The Wire. And I would make the point that like, All the left wingers going crazy about how great this show is and how Marxist the show is are missing the fact that, yeah, it's 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 consistent with a certain kind of like cultural Marxist critique of of Western societies and stuff. But the villains, there are no Republican villains in the wire. It's it's urban liberalism. That's the villain. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Right. And like it's the Democratic Party. That's the problem. It's the unions that are messed up. And right. yeah, there's these claims that has to do with the structural nature of capitalism that ruin the unions and whatever, and blah, blah, blah. And that's mm-hmm. all fine. But like the s- cops are good. S- some black people are bad. Some black people are good. You know, it's 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 much more consistent with a sort of 1930s style Marxist thing that is also weirdly conservative. And um, and now all of a sudden it's like dawned on people that this point. But this is something I was saying 15 right. years ago, and like all of a sudden it's a thing now. It just makes me very happy. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's true. I think I, the wire, especially. You know, I it's mean, it's a it's set in Baltimore,
1: which hasn't had a Republican in a, the city limits in about 100 years since like Spear um, Agnew, right? I mean, that oh was, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, right. I mean, he's was yeah, just driving through. Yeah, exactly right. Just collecting money, um, <laughs> and all, and the and the one of the most moving uh, um, seasons was the one set in the schools. Right, and right, right. that was uh, about as um, full and rich and detailed an argument for charter schools and school choice that I think has ever been made. Uh, and I thank God they didn't know they had known it. They wouldn't put it on. Yeah. Yeah. And the last season of the wire was this kind of um, over the top sort of fulsome um, worshipful account of a newspaper. And that right. to me was the worst, the worst one. It was a bad because Cause I don't care about it. And, and it isn't the same as the schools. I you mean, know, they sort of took these different pick, uh, pieces of the, of the city. Um, but the idea that the newspaper, these are, the, the, it just rang so false for the whole season. Like you, you can watch the four seasons of that series and get a great picture and not watch the fifth.
0: And, yeah. um, I think you'd be better off. I agree. That the fifth season was definitely the worst. Um, some of the stuff he says about local news reporting, I think actually kind of in retrospect looks better than I thought it did when I first saw it. Um, but uh one of the reasons why it kind of, I mean, and also like the, the rise of sort of, you know, Stephen glass type and this idea, yeah, the yeah. search for celebrity thing. There's some, there's some relevance to that, but oh, yes. part of it is you just feel like he got to the fifth, ep- fifth season and he's like, Crap, this was supposed to be this major indictment of America, and <laughs> all my targets have been like yeah, unions, right. school unions, Democratic Party, um, um, and urban liberalism generally. Let's make it media conglomerates that buy the Baltimore Sun. That'll be the villain and it just feels yeah. much budget more budget cuts in the newsroom. He can't cover the news. Yes, yeah. give me, just, uh,
1: me a Crimea River. Um, speaking of Crimea River, anything else you want to say john are you are you uh, appearing
0: somewhere should we uh, tune in to see you uh, i'm gonna be on jake tapper's show tomorrow on cnn and i'm gonna be on oh inside politics on sunday yes that's still on and uh and i just did like an hour and a half thing for reason magazine um oh my God. a video conversation you can find the link over there somewhere All about fascism stuff because fascism is in the news again. Yeah, fascism is hot right now. Uh, So, who's it with? Uh, Nick Gillespie. Oh, yeah. And and the moderator or like the host of this web show, nice guy, his last name is Weissmuller. And I asked him if he was related to, you know, Johnny Weissmuller. And (laughs) he's basically his answer was it's sort of a family legend, but no one is going to, no one wants to investigate it too closely because they don't want to find out that we're not. So,
1: I have to say that that was the, probably the best answer that you could have gotten. Whereas yeah. I, I would have expected the, uh, what, what, why do all these old people always ask me that? <laughs> That's what made my, my, all all these ancient people come up with their <laughs> catheters and they're, you know, asking me about Johnny
0: Weissmuller. Well, I told my um, wife about it and she didn't even know that, uh, who Johnny Weissmuller was. So I made me feel even worse. W- but maybe you know, because she had friends on on Saturdays and she was out not watching TV. We talk about culture that was once popular, my friend. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you got anything right. going on? I got nothing. I got nothing. I'm going to be in LA for a month
1: um, in a couple of weeks um, to do this weird little project. I'll tell you about at our next um, um And then uh, I got nothing. I, I I have apparently I have a column I got to turn in on uh, uh to, to commentary. It's on. I mean, I'll just give you a little little preview because I know we got to run. It's on um the rise and rise of greg gutfeld and the gutfeld show uh and this weird phenomenon that people have a hard time wrapping their head around which is that he's the number one late night show in the country and um and depending on who you talk to they either say what or they say who or they say yeah i figured that yeah and you can always know where they are on the political spectrum by by what their answer is um and it just like just goes to show you that like um the truth is that as long as as long as liberals insist on having liberal politics be in their entertainment, they will lose because there are more conservatives and liberals in the country, basically. Um, because that means the conservatives can have conservative entertainment in their, uh, conservative policy, their entertainment. The first time someone says, well, how about we just, just tell jokes and interview celebrities and have fun. Um, then that person's going to get a whole lot of audience. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's probably the same thing. Um,
0: well, also, it, doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter whether there are more liberals or more conservatives. The point is, is that on the supply side, there are fewer conservative yeah. things and a lot more liberal things. Right? I mean, ABC, NBC, PBS right. yeah. all he, are doing the same. Yeah, thing. they split half the. They split half the audience. He gets the other half. Right. Um. um so,
1: so that's,
0: but that's, you're, that's you're, you're also going to fully disclose that you're on a show quite often, right? I mean, yeah. Except that I'm also going to fully
1: disclose they pay me exactly zero dollars. So, uh-huh. like, I, I don't know. I have not yet figured out how
0: to monetize these appearances. Fair, fair um, on on that program. And I was going to ask you. I mean, we've got to go, but um, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of the Conan O'Brien podcast. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Did did you hear the episode with James Burroughs on there? No, I didn't. I hear it's good though. Yeah, I just I like when I was uh, on a long drive, I was listening to it, and I kept saying to you know my, my lovely bride, you know, oh, I wonder what Rob thinks of that. Um, but you know, wait, my the we were listening to the podcast together. Oh, right. And, right, right. and well, Burroughs would, would say things about cheers and all of these yeah, things. And yeah, um, I was, you know, I was like, I beat. think the, I think the, um, I mean,
1: he's, he's brilliant. And, you know, basically he was my, my, not basically, he was literally my first boss and pretty, pretty much taught me everything I, I, I pretend to know. Um, but it's weird if you're in the cast mm-hmm. because he was such a powerful, he, he doesn't, he, he's not an overbearing guy. He's like incredibly sweet and gentle and effortless and he sort of knows how to do what he's doing and so the c- actors always feel really comfortable with him mm-hmm. and um sort of like our relationship it. with
0: him exactly
1: exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. just think just, yeah <laughs> right, right he feels very comfortable with us um and i feel like uh the i don't know this for a fact but some of the cheers cast because they you know they a long time ago and they've been supplanted by you know you read the book the books some cheers but it's also a lot of friends Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. will and grace and all the other things he did and all those people feel like he's my dad too Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's like you know the cheers guys found out that their dad went and had a second family and then the second family went and he had a third family and like hey i thought you were just ours so i think there's a little bit of like weird feelings about it Mm -hmm. but um but it's what's funny. I, I watched him direct a bunch of his other series. I sort of hung out with him, and uh, he just did it the same way each time. Like he didn't, it's like he just was, you couldn't even tell. You were looking at him and saying, how does he, what's he doing? Yeah. And yeah. you just couldn't see it. And that's, that's why he was such a genius. And why he is such a genius. He's still, still doing it. I mean, Again, still, just,
0: just like immigrant. It's weird. So. He's still doing it. Elderly. Uh huh. And you can't believe he's doing it. Dis- he's doing it. discomforting weirdly pitched voice.
1: Uh,
0: yeah, really right. remarkable. You know, yeah, same or good. Yeah, right. <laughs> so exactly right. Um, I, we're time. done. We're done. Yeah, this is it. it it's just Next not time. the same without John. You know, it's not bad though. Yeah, oh no it's, it's i'm just uh just saying i'm not used to doing this where i actually have to hold up my end of a conversation yeah i noticed like, on the screen that you weren't like i couldn't see you literally answering email
1: and no like, no uh, I, 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 and, yeah.
0: usually I, I have full disclosure let's just turn things you know let's let's, let's flip the camera around on this <laughs> yeah normally like you and john are such snores with each other and john just fills all the space I play a game on my computer, on my iPad for most of the podcast, and then... I
1: can see it happening, and I'm like, I, wait,
0: Jonah has to say something now. And I wait for a moment to get in, and, you know, I'm like, <laughs> I have my little two minutes, and then I, I, I hide again. And uh, so it's, I feel a little, like, distracted driving here, because without Pod, I actually have to participate more. Um, right? It's funny. Right. The Commentary Podcast, which is a great podcast, I listen to it often. Yes, um, nice I... I I am now getting that podcast's hate mail because I'm <laughs> the only one who will publicly call out Pod for the way he 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 steamrolls everybody else on there. And so right. every now and then I'll forward it to like Rothman and then be like, you know, see, I'm not, you know, you're not you're not alone or whatever. And Rothman will not complain. He's a good team player. He does not sure. complain about uh about Pod, but um I got this email from one guy not long ago who's like <laughs> um Jonah, that was a really funny podcast you did the other day, but it just loses to this comedy gold. And then he just says, John just said on the commentary podcast, Noah, let me interrupt you for a second. <laughs> and that was the whole joke. <laughs> <laughs> Which implies that Noah is allowed to speak. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I
1: mean, think when he was interrupting, was Noah was saying, yeah, I, I think that's right. That's yeah, yeah. right. Let, let mean, me interrupt you for a second. Yeah, All
0: right. Um, like in Hamilton... Uh, there was, I remember reading something about how there was some of the song was written just so the singers could take a breath. Because when you say Hamilton, you like expel an enormous amount of air. Right. And right. you need some other qu- course thing to go on so that you can like refill your lungs. That's basically Noah's job on the commentary <laughs> podcast is like when John needs to take another breath, Noah gets to say something. <laughs>
1: they flip a coin because sometimes uh sometimes that abe has to say something
0: yeah but abe i mean i I love Abe, but like like he he's sort of like like um what was it that uh morgan friedman says you know he's been institutionalized (laughs) he he knows (laughs) when to like stop talking before pod actually interrupts him yeah yeah so
1: he's one of the guys in that scene from downfall who are just standing in the back looking around nervously no is the one who says uh actually uh steiner's um there'll be no counterattack." and then there's another monologue
0: yeah so, yeah or like uh what's the thing they bring up back to the death of Stalin? you never want to be the person the first person to stop clapping um right you know and uh right. Anyway, all right, we're just we're just this is what my followers call nanotalk. We're, we're that, so. we,
1: we, we're, we were almost in danger of talking about a, a, a movie that it, it came out in the past twenty years. So let's just stop right now. Yeah. All right. See you soon.
0: See you, man.